Hi, my name is Dr. Cheryl Hardy, and I represent the community, and you are now tuned in to the Unconventional Christian Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Unconventional Christian Podcast, and I am a host, Ladoon Thompson, and we are sitting with the amazing Dr. Cheryl Hardy. How you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. That's good. That's good. Real good. We've been trying to get you here for a little while, but yeah. you know, um, to God be the glory, you're here and we're able to do it and have this conversation. And I think that it's important to talk about, you know, some of the things that have occurred in this time because one of the main reasons that um, we were unable to do the podcast is because specifically you got sick. Absolutely. So um, tell us about that. What an experience. Um, And I stayed home. I took care of myself and was in the house. And the only place I went to was the grocery store. Mm. And for some reason, I just started feeling bad. And, you know, you don't have anything to compare with because COVID-19 is something new. Right. I thought I had the flu. Exactly. But I felt myself draining, moving further and further down. And I had to go to the doctor. The doctor said, why don't you take a test? And, and when they said positive, I was like, positive? Certain questions. Who's always positive? <laughs> you know, and it was so funny when the doctor came in. He came in with two. And I was like, oh, boy. Because, you know, when they come in with two or more, they have some news. Right, right, you right. You know, because that's the, that's the setup. Just in case one person, you get upset, you know, they have they back up there to support each other. Right. So I knew the drill. I said, oh, boy, 14 days. Wow. Yeah. But, um, but I'm so glad to be alive. You know what? I think it changed my way of thinking. And what was that? Um, to appreciate life more in a different way. My gratitude level went up. Really? Yeah. You know, I, I would say for somebody that I've known from afar for such a long time, I actually thought you like, I would think that your gratitude level couldn't get any higher than it was. Your gratitude level could always get higher and higher because sometimes we get comfortable even being positive. Mm-hmm. We can be at a flow and think things are okay and I'm good. But if something hits you, you realize that things could be better and you could think better. Yeah. Right. Right. Most certainly. Now, with you, with your journey through COVID. So now after finding out that you were positive, um, you just had to do the 14 days at home. Did you have to go to the hospital? Because I remember mm-hmm. hearing about it. I think when we first heard it, it was like, it was almost like, I think we the way we it was introduced to us was almost like, yo, Dr. Cheryl's on her deathbed. And it was like. What? And I was shocked. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. I was really sick. Right. Yeah, right. I was really sick. I, you know, I couldn't, I almost need help going to the bathroom, you know, mm-hmm. like just to have that. But nobody could really help me because right. they had to stay away. Right. So I had right, to just right. run in the bathroom, run out. You know, I had a whole little section of the house by myself. And it was so funny. They would, um, my sons would come, they would give me breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they would put it by the door and then run. Right. Yeah. So, but uh, this this thing is really really serious. I think it's getting better now because yeah. they're understanding it more and with yeah. the vaccination. Because it's completely different now. So when I say for you, um, having to deal with that and deal with that at home by yourself, um, how are you able to implement your faith into those moments? Because you know we talk about faith all the time, and we feel strong in our faith until it's time to activate it 
You know what I mean? And even being the most positive person, being a person of faith, being a person that talks about manifestations and talks about the power of the mind, um, how was your faith affected during this time? And so that's why I was thinking about my gratitude level has heightened because I had faith, but I had to apply it in a different way. Right. So I had to p- apply it in this valley moment. Right. Because, you know, you hear, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you feel like it's the shadow of death because so many people had died. Over 500,000 people had died. So you think you're next. You know, so that thought will automatically come. But then you start thinking about faith. Right. And start using those healing scriptures and start reading about healing. And and it just puts you in a different place. But we have to apply it. It's easy to, you know, I mean, this is what I love about unconventional Christians. I don't want to get to that. (laughs) I want to ask you that question in a minute. But you could be a Christian for a long time. Mm -hmm. But just have the label and not apply it to your right, life. Right, 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 right. No, that's real. I think that, um, and I, and I have these kind and, and one of the main reasons why we have these, um, conversations for this, even with this podcast is to be able to show different aspects in light and, and walks of faith and how that looks for some people, because everyone does not, um, identify with the black and white, um, uh, faith that once was maybe 30, 40 years ago. That's now right. it's more, um, a lot of people do deal with um, levels of faith where they're, um, you know, they're they're not going into the church a lot of time, but That's they do right. have faith. Some people do have a lot of faith and they don't go into church every single day. That's you know right. what I mean? It's a time and day and age where we have to become the church internally you know what i'm saying this is our house this is god's house don't get me wrong i do believe that it's important for people to go into the house of god mm-hmm. you know what i mean to um congregate with other believers as well but whatever that faith looks like for you you know what i mean some people don't do they've had such bad experiences mm, yes. and traumas from church in their past in their childhood that has affected their ability to be able to go back into the church so that's why I said, you know, that touches on like the unconventional faith that must be had. Um, so as our fingerprints are different, so as we believe in different ways. Right. And so one of the things that we have to do is not put people in a box. Right. Because you don't know how a person faith is. Right. So my question was to you, mm-hmm. I was thinking is what made you come up with this unconventional Christian podcast? Because... I think that is such a great idea. I think this is 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 excellent. Right. I mean, for me, I think it's, um, and I I, I bounce back and forth between specific um, churches sometimes, just because I like to hear different things from mm. different angles. So, like my my home base um, was Love of Jesus Christian Church in Newark, and my um, virtual space has been. The Change Church uh, by Darius Daniels. Mm, um, yes. So, you know, me and him have developed a relationship. He's in the mentor space for me. And I think that it's so important for people to become Daniels in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's something he talks about. He's We've been talking a lot about Daniels in the world is that you're not this, um, like, 
you're someone who can go into the depths of where sinners are and unbelievers are and become love in the midst of that. You know what I'm saying? Not everyone can do that because so many a lot of people have vices that they can fall short on. And not to say that I don't have vices, mm-hmm. but I do have people around me that are constantly checking me while I'm in a space. People that can reel me back in. It's almost like having people around you to have ropes around you as you go deep into this space to make sure that you don't get a hundred percent pulled like too that you don't get in too deep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because you want to stay in your harmony and your rhythm. I know people talk about life, work and balance, but a lot of times balance that's not you don't you can't find your balance. Right. And so your balance might be off for that day and then mm-hmm. people criticize themselves. Right. So that's why I believe in having your rhythm and your harmony for every day. Mm. Because I, I feel like that is important. And I think that people should have their own village. So I'm so impressed that you have a mentor because <laughs> I have a mentor, a therapist, and a coach. Absolutely. It's important. I tell people all the time, uh, friends around me, you know, get you, you know, I say it all the time, get you a mentor. I have a therapist. I have well, yeah, I'm transitioning from one therapist to another. I've seen you for a session as well. <laughs> um, but um, I, I like to, I think it's so important to constantly uh, sharpen your tools. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Especially your spirit. You know what yes. I'm saying? And because, you need that village. Yeah. So, and then I have accountability partners that are from some, a lot of them aren't even based in New Jersey. We talk on Zoom, right. we talk on the phone, mm-hmm. we FaceTime, we have these conversations where we're constantly asking ourselves is in this stage of our life is does these things still serve a purpose in my life you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i am a christian i am somebody that does drink alcohol you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying but i have these conversations and right now i haven't found a reason to say i'm cutting alcohol alcohol out completely Mm -hmm. because i do do it in moderation but in the same token as I get in certain spaces, there is that level of conviction that happens mm-hmm. when you're having conversations with, with people yeah. and the, your accountability partners and we're talking and we have these conversations. We both may drink and we'll say, Yo, do we even need this anymore? Mm-hmm. Does it serve a purpose in our life? Yeah. Can you find uh, excitement without it? Yeah. So, you know, and I, and I try not to put that judgment out on people as that's well. Right. Because when I go in spaces, that's the first thing. That's what they've heard. It, as soon as they hear, don't stop drinking, their, their childhood trauma takes them back to church when, when somebody vilified you. And that's what's pushed them into that space now. You know what I'm saying? Some of them lean more into it specifically because of those moments and those times. So the unconventional part of me wants to, like, it's Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians nine twenty two. to so the week I became weak, you know what I mean? So I can draw them closer, you know what I'm Love saying? It. But that's why I surround myself with people that even I, to the week I became weak, I still have to be able to strengthen myself in those spaces. To move, yeah. Yeah. And to allow yourself to know that we change. Your, right. your, your body change every Absolutely. seven years, right? And so your conscious change every seven years, your intellect change every every eleven years, and your lifespan change every eighteen mm-hmm. years. Mm. We need to allow ourselves like your con seven, fourteen, twenty one. It changes your intellect every eleven years, eleven, twenty two. It changes, and right. so and the same thing with lifespan. We think lifespan is from infant to the time you pass, but it's every eighteen years. Right. And so the first eighteen years, what do you do? You're under somebody, listening to somebody. 
all your entire 18 years. Right, right, right. Right? And then the next 18 years, you're trying to find yourself, mm. you know? Wow. And then the next 18 years, you're ready to retire. <laughs> and it happens just like that. It happens just like that. So in the process, I think that even in parenting, I think we should give more space for to allow out to, to have great communication. Right. You know, because changes continue to come. A, child, a person doesn't stay an infant forever. And so sometimes as adults, we... we even parenting adult children. Right. You know, I have grown sons. I have to monitor myself. And when I say certain things, I, I, it's not the time to say that. They're adults now. Right, right. I, and I felt, like I, I felt like I did a good job, so it's time for me to fall back and allow them to. I trust them. I trust their decision. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that it's, it's tough being a mom, being a, um, being a, just being a wife, being in, in a place of mental health and Trying to separate the two yes. because a lot of times you can identify something. Yeah, I can see certain things. Yeah, seeing pa- patterns, but yeah. being able to um, talk and advise people on on that without them saying you're dissecting them yeah. is, is is a hard journey. That but I do so think true. that one thing I'll say about you is I think you're able to give all of your experience and advice with love. You know, I've seen it. You know, what I'm saying and how you deal. And how you deliver. Yeah. So, you no, know, thank and you that's, for that. that's one of the reasons why I was like, it's important to have you come on here and oh, have this you. conversation because you have the experience. We're talking about 40 years of experience in, in relationships, men- in relationships yeah. mental health. And you, you've been married for how long? It'll be 42 years next month. 42 years of marriage. 40 years of, of experience. In, in the mental health. In the field. mental yeah. health field. Yeah. So you come with a lot of knowledge. And I want you all to have a better life. Right. When I see the young folks, I, w- I don't want you to worry. I mean, being black in America is a strain. Right. Constantly. You know, and I always ask African-American men at the end of my session, how do it feel to be a black man in this society? And woo, we open up the floodgates. Right, right. Because they always say, no one asks me that. Because it's the fight outside the house. First of all, it's the fight growing up, mm, being, right. being a, a young boy, and then the fight outside the house, and then the fight as you be, have relationships. So it's a lot. It's a lot to to endure. So it's good to just have conversation. Communication is amazing. Mm-hmm. The more you talk, the more you empty out, the more you heal. And healing is so important. It is important. And the amazing thing now is that in our community. I mean, how exciting is it to you as a therapist to see how much mental health is now beginning to be a very vital and um, important conversation that's constantly flowing now? It's amazing. It's amazing. And I'm glad you have me here for a mental health awareness month because <laughs> this is the last couple of days and it'll be over. But yet still, we need to continue on with, with the mental health process. But... It's so important. It is so important because so, we we forget to get a checkup from the neck up. Right. We'll, we'll take take care of the body, but with the with the head, we we you know years ago they would if you had mental health concerns they would call it demons in the church. Right. They would say something is wrong with you, but it's not some it's not something. The fact that it's something wrong, it's just that it needs to be treated. 
Right. And you need to talk about it and, and release it. And a lot of times people don't. They hold things in them for years. Mm. And it comes out in the anger. It's going to come out one way right. or the other. It, anger, alcohol, sex, drinking. It's going to come out. And so for you to realize self-awareness is amazing and self-assessment and talking to someone and, like you said, accountability, we all need that. Right. Yeah. Um, in what ways in our community can we optimize mental health um, as far as the black community, black and brown community? In what ways can we optimize um, mental health awareness? Number one, I think taking away the stigma and um, allowing people to be themselves. And if you suffer from depression mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes it is generational depression. Mm. It's depression from great grandma, grandma, grandma. It just comes on down. And so how can we talk about depression? What is depression? You know, because a lot of times we throw words around and don't know the meaning. It's a feeling of sadness and being at a low state or a moment with a situation or a place or a thing or something that occurred in your life. Right. All right. So those moments come for all of us. Right. And so I think we just need to be more open about it. Because years ago, they used to say depression, they could tell it in a five-year-old. And then with technology, they could tell depression in a six-month. Now they can detect depression in the womb. Really? And so that's how powerful technology is and how um, behavior science is. You know, they could tell with the babies in the womb. You do a sonogram and you're talking to them and they they shriveling up and covering in their face. Uh, There's those signs of depression. Somebody is arguing. Somebody is fighting all the time because you can see the baby moving a lot when they hear certain voices. Mm. And so if you can detect depression before you get here, could you imagine once you're born, that baby is carrying the parent's woes and then they go to school and they say why i feel like this or they walking around why do i feel like this it's because this just been so much on them with the emotions just the feelings alone right right. yeah Ooh, that's deep so now this is this goes into something i've been saying about how um depression how the body takes count right the body keeps score. The body keeps the score. body keeps score it keeps score your trauma okay and your depression and your hurt so now, how does this come out physically for some people? How does um, depression, resentment, anger, how does this come out in some people? How do they feel this physically? Uh, that's a good question because it comes out in so many different ways. It could come out in anger. Mm-hmm. It could come out in isolation, uh, feeling rejected. Mm-hmm. Um, it could come out with your health. Most people that suffer from depression usually it affect their stomach mm. so your stomach your intestines your kidneys your lungs and your colon you know you're like what is going on in my body it's all connected to 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 that sadness or that right. loneliness or those those states of depression right um so now with our community there are a lot of people who are dealing with this and um I think that the hardest part is a lot of couples, friends, family members can identify this in someone. What is your suggestion to those people? Because the hardest part is trying. You can identify it, but how do you suggest or even get someone to make those steps without 
causing them to run away from it. Because the first thing we do is once you, sometimes we don't know how to deliver. It's about the constructive criticism of it. Like it's, it's not even criticism, but giving love and saying, hey, I think you're going through this. And the minute, they may already know they're going through this. So okay. as soon as you say it to them, they're running from you. So you how, do, how does someone get their family member, their friend, their significant other to step out of the denial phase? So usually when, because you can't make people get the help, but usually when someone asks me that question, I would say we need to change our language. Mm -hmm. So I would, like, a a lady called me and she was like, how can I get my mother to come? She really needs to come. And I told her that she needs a therapist and she needs a counselor. And I I said, no, let's try it this way. said, Mom, you know I love you. And there are some additional support I would love for you to have. So just don't say counseling. Say, I want you to go get additional support or support, and I'll pay for the first session. Mm. Usually people start thinking. They say, you know what? Maybe I will try it. Right. But it's, we just have to change our language. Our language is so harsh, and what we have to realize is when you have a tough language, it changes your mental health. It changes the way you think. Right. So if you say, I'm always stupid, you're going to think that. Right. You know, right. Uh, uh, if you say, um, like somebody came to me one time, a quite few people come to me and said, you know what? I know I have gener- generational curse and my curses in my family. I said, mm. Let, let's change the words and let's say generational pattern. Now you here to break the pattern. Right. You know, I know I have crazy people in my family. Don't call, don't say crazy. Let's say you have colorful people in your family and then let's try to make some changes. It's all about how we say things. Because if you say harsh, people are running, get defensive or offended. Right. right. Yeah. So now in, in leaning more into this uh, a little bit, because I, I think that um, a lot of people have these questions. Now, when it comes to trauma, now a lot of people can identify that they have trauma from their childhood. They have, especially let's start with childhood trauma, okay. because it's something that's been a conversation that um, has been popping up. How does how does one begin to deal with their childhood trauma? Because a lot of people do know that they have it, mm-hmm. but they just don't know how to um, deal with it. Besides, because a lot of people don't have access to therapy. Right. You know what I mean? So now, what's some steps that you would give to someone when it comes to, if they were like, we're watching this today. What's some steps that you would give to them as far as dealing with their childhood and traumas? Then, and, and, not go, and not go to therapy. Because trauma, you really need to unpack it with a trained professional. But if not, I would say start with journaling and write down the traumatic parts of your life. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, write down some ways that you could, some ways you think you can make changes but with trauma, trauma takes some time. Right. And so sometimes it's difficult for some some people to just work through it with self-help books. Right. And then others, they just need that assistance because we you, we need to pinpoint where that right, traumatic right, event right. is coming from. Is it trauma from sex, sexual trauma? Mm-hmm. Is it trauma from um, abuse? Right. Is it trauma from, is it childhood trauma from being bullied? Right. And once you unpack that, then you have to start realizing that those things that happened to you was not your fault. Mm-hmm. And if you could release it little by little and say, and say, oh, even if you write the trauma on a piece of paper, 
I was traumatized with X, Y, Z, and that will happen no more. And maybe tear the paper up and just throw it away and just start working on it. Because you got to work on it daily. Right. Or or every couple of days or even weekly, but it can't be a once a month thing. Right. Because you have to realize that childhood trauma, stay, if you're 30 and you had childhood trauma, it stayed in you. It, it's packed in you for, for years. Yeah. At least 20 years. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, because yeah. one thing I've heard is that you're when you when dealing with childhood traumas, it's not that you're learning to get rid of it; you're learning how to manage it and deal with it. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like let me first unpack. You gotta unpack it. That's the first step. Is you gotta unpacking. talk about. Or if you don't go to a therapist, talk to a trusted friend. Right. Somebody that you trust that that you can just empty out with, and you know it's not going anywhere. Right. Because that's when that's when healing takes place. Because right. we 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 need to learn as a people mm-hmm. how to feel. Right. We run from our feelings. Absolutely. And so we don't want to. No, I don't want to feel when somebody passed away. I just work, 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 or stay busy. And then, but you got to feel, deal, and heal. Mm-hmm. Feel the pain. Deal with the situation so you can heal. Right. Now you know I have some specific questions because I think you're the first therapist we've had on here. That's actually like specialized in this sexual trauma. How do women? No, you know what? I'll take that back because men suffer sexual trauma as well. So let's let's try and make this a little general. Um, When it comes to sexual trauma, how can wait? How does sexual trauma show up in adulthood? In your behavior, the way you. Um, act in relationships mm-hmm. and if the sexual trauma is from if you're a female and the trauma was from a female you, you'll have struggles with a female female relationship if it's, if it's from a male you'll have tr- if you're a female and then it's a male you'll have struggles with the so it will be in relationships mm. you know say for instance um, when someone says that my um my grandmother sexually abused me, and she's a girl. People are like, wow, how can your grandmother sexually? It happens. Right. Right? And so now that person has a struggle with all older women mm. because that sexual trauma is embedded in her. Right. And so that's when we have to unpack and start talking about those relationships. How can – the longest relationship you're going to have in life is with yourself. Right. And so after you deal with yourself and tell you that things are going to get better, that's when they start getting better. Because you got to seek help, though. Because mm. that's, that's sexual trauma is, is, is something that is. And then when the person um, is in a relationship, right. it's hard for them in a relationship. Okay. Even when they connect sexually, intimacy, holding hands and all, that's usually some type of concern because it's not the other person. It's the, what they're fighting on the inside because they've been violated. Mm, so the levels of consistency aren't going to be there in a relationship. So it's either going to be hyper or hypo. Or, yes. So it's like it's either they're going to be giving too much sexual energy yes. or there will be almost little to none That's there. right. So it's like... um. Yeah, that kind of goes it's into no, like that, no that dopamine. Yeah, like that. There's that level of consistency is not there. It's, it's either high there. or super low. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you ever see a person when they behave, they they're either super quiet, 
or they go off. Right, right. So, yeah. And that's how you, you will react in a relationship. Mm. Okay. Cool, cool. That's, that's And so it's difficult to say because when I'm talking to a person, I have to, you, you almost as a therapist customize things. Right. So with this person, I might use one theory and another person, I might use another theory and another person, I might not use a theory at all. I might just have to go into uh, a lot of deep stuff of what happened, you know, at five, at six, at seven. And then you have to move at a pace. Because you can't move too fast because it's overwhelming, too, when a person is being abused of any kind. Right. Mm. Uh, okay, good. This is this is, well, no, this is is good stuff right here. I'm telling you, this is some deep stuff that I have general conversations with folks about because sometimes when you have the conversations, neither person is specialized. I'm not specialized in it. I can do as much YouTube, reading, all I want to know. I can give very general suggestions. Yes. But... The specific um, questioning is necessary with the therapist. And that's why, I like, you know, a lot of people say I can't afford a therapist. And, um, I, you know, that there's no therapist in my area. Yeah. But one of the amazing things is that, like, people have to get serious with their mental health because, you know, you don't want your traumas to process you and you, you know, know everything saying? starts in the mind right you everything you do when you get up and get dressed in the mind when you say i'm going to the altar to serve god it starts in the mind right everything starts in the mind before it gets to the heart right right and so if your mind is not right your life is red it's disturbed it's just not gonna flow and so that's how important mental health is. And, and we as African-American people, we're getting better in the last 20 years. Right. It is so much better. But you also have to realize that we've been through black trauma. Right. That's embedded in us. And black trauma is embedded in us. We, we, we are so lost. Where is our identity? You know, they, they, they called us Negroes. They call us colored. They call us African-American. They call us black. And we're still trying to search. Who am I? We left out nigger. <laughs> and they call me. And so we've been called so many names. No other culture has been called so many names to identify wow. us. And so, and then sometimes when people are talking, that's why they feel lost. You know, because we've been through slavery and Jim Crow and no, civil found, rights. I and, find myself stutter, stuttering sometimes and having a conversation. Somebody's like, you know. Like if I'm on a phone and or if I'm looking, I'm to check off: Am I African American? Am I black? Am I, uh, you know, those these ideas of so many people? When you think of our counterparts who have been just white the entire time, that's it. <laughs> and you never realize how much that plays on your mind when you really have to question: Like, who am I? Absolutely, and it and subconsciously we hold that in our emotions. Mm-hmm. We hold that because we always been pushed around on this on this planet, even just with in America, right. just for identifying ourselves. Wow. And so when you when you're trying to find yourself in that way, filling out an application, then you start feeling insignificant. Right. You don't tell anybody, and it's called hidden frustration. Right, right. You know, like yeah, who am I? And you question it while you're trying to check it off. And you don't realize subliminally, you walk around for the rest of the day and you say to yourself, "Who am I?" And it bothers you. Yeah. And then you snap. And sometimes you don't understand why you're snapping. Because some things in life, it just shakes you up emotionally. But it's so silent and quiet. Right, right, right. Yeah. 
That's good stuff right there. <laughs> um, so it, I'm touching on so many things here because these are conversations I have consistently on the podcast. But like I said, we've never had somebody who specifies on these specific things. Yeah. Um, what are some right now things that you feel will be after effects of the pandemic mentally? Because ideally we're still in it to an extent. You know what I'm saying? The world is open back up, but... But our minds are on lockdown. Right. I think we're going through pandemic, post-traumatic stress disorder, everybody. Because we was we was on lockdown. And it was like we were, we were prisons in our own home. Could you imagine your mind trying to adjust to that for, for what, 15 months? Right. That's a lot. That's a lot. And that's for the entire world. So as I was watching the news, I was seeing people. I saw a, a Caucasian lady punch the flight attendant in the face, and she lost a couple of teeth um, last week. That's that pandemic stuff. That's that. That's that frustration, and people are taking it out on, in the line at the store, and uh, because we we have not yeah. got rid of this energy and this this um feeling stress, right. A whole life has changed. Some people lost a lot. People so, lost yeah. family members. We we you know um, that that trauma right there of losing family members during the <laughs> pandemic, not being able to bury them correctly. Yes. Um, and thinking of a lot of these people went to the hospital and they had to be by themselves, and yes. the memory of that, you know, what I'm saying that of them being alone. Because I I know like even you talking about being at home, um, and your family member. Luckily, you do have. Um, amazing family members that yeah. were there to overserve you. Um, yeah, I think because I, I had a friend of mine um, that recently um, recovered slightly from COVID. He's still recovering. Um, and last year, his mom died of COVID. So being in a space that he, you know, I'm talking to him, I know the fear of that moment of losing, of almost losing your life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like you said, the new level of gratitude that's there that people will have. But how can some, how can we as a people begin to deal with this current post pandemic? Um, what would I call it? Stress? Stress. Post traumatic yeah. stress. And I think we should look for groups and be involved. We should try to just change some of the things. Like if you mm-hmm. can go out, go out. Exercise is one of the best things you can do because it, it really reshapes your brain and your mm-hmm. thinking. Um, journaling. People, a lot of people don't like to journal. I was like, if you don't like to journal, talk in your phone. Um, and um, that support. Because I have a free grief group every fourth Monday of the month. On Zoom? And it's just on Zoom. It's just open up to the community. And one one week we had maybe forty people on there from all over. I might have to bring my people in there. All over. I did a Zoom one time for people just to like express themselves because they have gone through so much. It's not just grief, but whatever life traumas and stuff like that. And I was so overwhelmed. Yeah, because three of us. We have three. I have three. We doing this. We coming to your group because (laughs) I was on there and it was almost like everyone was looking to me for an answer. Yeah, and I'm like, um, I'm gonna get back to y'all. I'm gonna check with my therapist and see what she say about this. Now I'm going into my therapy sessions and I'm like, look, 
So this person went through this. What's your suggestion? Yeah, <laughs> you're taking t- time from yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and you don't That's realize. Good. One thing for me, I'm realizing that, like, I didn't realize the... Because people ask me all the time, like, how do you feel now that you're dealing with being this person that people pour their... Um, I mean, I really... I think it's going to take time for me to really feel it. I don't feel... And I pray maybe God, I've also prayed God for strength to be able to deal with that. But like a lot of people, and I hear about pastors, you know, they go through this and they, they carry all the stress. Some pastors do, do commit suicide. Oh, yeah. 13, 14, 15 pastors a year commit yes. suicide specifically because of the traumas of having to take on other people's problems and realizing I can't solve it. I can't you answer can't. it. I can get, I can help you give you faith but that's the hardest part of it is to sit with someone and i'll be very intentional in this to have to sit with someone and they're telling you about their um a cancer um diagnosis to sit with them every day talk to them on the phone have conversations to wish them the best and they're like thank you thank you thank you then they pass away and now the family members there, and you you're sitting there with them, and it's almost this level of guilt because you know that slightly you feel it. They're looking at you, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Where's your God now?" Yeah, where's your God now? But we you have to also pause and realize that is out of your control. You're here to support the person, and whatever happens, is nothing you can do. And it shoulda, woulda, coulda, and I wish I had a known. That's putting you in control. Right. And you're not in control. Right. And so when I talk to people about um, how, to, how to talk about death to their children, mm-hmm. and, you know, don't say granddad went to sleep and he, because now they're afraid to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you have to explain to them that life is like a flower. And some flowers are sh- live short, and some flowers last a long time. And the motor stop, mm. just like a car. Make an example out of the car. You have a beautiful car. Drive down the street, and the car shut down. It never work again. You have to get another car. But the motor stopped in that individual, so that means a hard stop. Whatever, just stop, and right. there's nothing you you can do about it. And then when you listen to people, you have to practice that it's their issue, and you have to give it back to them to do the work. Right, right. So you could protect your peace. Absolutely. Good, good. I got specific questions today for you. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's I wouldn't last in this field that long, and and because I specialize in grief and depression, yeah. I have to take naps. If I'm if I have people that I have grief all day, I have to take a I have to take a nap, and then I go for a walk. Mm. Every time I finish with that day. I have to do that to regenerate myself because you take in a lot and you want to, you know, because the body keeps score, the body, a whole information too. So you want to mm. release it, you know, so you have to practice taking care of yourself That's, and it, self-care is, it's gotta be when you in this field. Yeah. And, and we're, you're sim- we're even talking the simplest because some people think I work out every day and that's, you know, working awesome. out is important. That's great. But when we say the specific exercise of releasing um, those energies of sleep and taking walks. 
Because that's a different kind of exercise. Taking walks puts you in a place of nature. Yes. Gives you an opportunity to be alone. Because the gym, you're in the gym, it's noisy, it's loud. Yes. It's you're pumping muscles. Yes. You on your phone, you listening to music. So it's not as re- relaxing. Gotta be relaxed. So that's the relaxing exercise that's necessary. That's right. You and you have to do it. It's for you to survive. And also if you're in leadership position, you have to take breaks. If you're a leader, I did the God and Therapy Tour in 2019. Mm. So I went around to different churches just talking to pastors about how to talk to their members, faith and mental health. Yeah. You know, certain things you don't say in the pulpit. You don't say those bipolar saints because somebody, you might have a, a room full of bipolar mem- members. Right, right, right. And so I was talking to them about it. But also, if you're a minister, there's no way you should be preaching every Sunday. Your body is not designed for that. Right, mm. you need to take a vacation quarterly if you're in leadership. Every three months, you need to get away. Got me scared. <laughs> you need to. I'm over here like I'm gonna be on live three <laughs> days a week. But you, you <laughs> need to do. You need to. You need to get away at least quarterly or twice a year. But that that's the way to you do the rereads. I call it the rereads. Yeah. Regenerate, reset, revive, reconnect, restore, restore, replenish. Yeah. Planish, renew. Renew. The re-reads. The yeah. re-reads. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that's that that's good. So um now now touching specifically on another mental health issue that people deal with that you just mentioned. So let's go there. Bipolar. Um how many people if you had to say on a scale of if you had to say out of five, like one out of five, two out of five, how many people do you think are really walking around here undiagnosed bipolar? Oh, so one of five, I would say, I would say about two out of five. Two out of five. Yeah. Yeah. Now, dealing with being bipolar, bipolar, because, some, you know, one thing is people have managed so well dealing with it. That it's hard for them to even identify that um, I'm not bipolar. I was just mad. You know what I'm saying? Like there. So, what are some signs of, of of people who are questioning it? Because but that manic, because you you have those manic, because you they used to call it manic depressive disorder, mm. and then they changed to bipolar. Right. But bipolar, you have those swings. You have those swings, and what happens is the family see the swings. Mm. Right, and look what happens if it gets too bad and it gets high, right? And the piece and the person is going shooting up the people at work. Right, they shooting up, and and the thing about it is, you with mental health, you can't really do much until something happens, and that's the part I have a problem with. Mm. You know, I like, and I always tell families if you see something that's not right with your family member, get them help. If they allow you to, but you really, well, when you get there, if they're adults, yeah. if they say no. Can't do anything. Can't do anything. The HIPAA rule. So when people, so let's just say there are people out there who can, who think, question, am I bipolar? They should what are checked. some signs? Um, mood swings. Mm-hmm. Um, isolation. Isolation. Uh, being super quiet and then all of a sudden escalating. Mm-hmm. Um, concentration, poor concentration, right? Uh, confusion. Mm. Uh, thinking the the world is against you. Okay. So yeah, it's a lot that could go on with that with bipolar. Okay, 
Cool. That's that. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. that's also good to know. Like people, these are specific questions. So I did take in some questions from some folks, and I literally they they gonna watch this episode. Like, where my question at? <laughs> so um, now there are now dealing with relationships. Mm. Now, how do um, couples in this day and age? Because relationships is something that you do know um, a lot about. How are couples now a day able to deal with communication issues? Um, I think I think if they could kind of reduce social media some mm-hmm. to work on your relationship, I think we have a lot of distractions, right? And with those distractions, it interferes with your relationship, right? So, and we always hear people say communication, 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 but how do you communicate? And it's about having a a simple conversation and learning the person that you're with. Right. A lot of times we know more about other people than we do the people that's close to us. Right. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think we need to change some and just have more intimate conversation. I think having time alone. Right. I think learning how to, if you have children, learning how to hire a sitter. Right. And and just go and do just do such simple things. You can right. go for a walk. You could do things that's not expensive. Right. You know, go for a walk, go out to dinner, have ice cream, have coffee, and ask questions. Um, it's a great app. I think is um, Gotham, um, Gotham Deck, and it's a lot of questions there because some people tell me, oh, I don't know what questions to ask. Well, you look through this app, and yeah. then you can ask some questions. How you doing today? How you feeling today? What do you think about me? What I think about you? Um, what is love? But it, you it know, requi- just conversation. Yeah, I think it requires a certain level of vulnerability and transparency as yeah, well. That's because true. anyone can ask these questions. Now, the question, the answer is, are they going to answer truthfully because it's true. It's so hard to answer some of these questions and be truthful because you're scared of the judgment that that's normally comes with that. That's and I think that, point. and that's for me, I think it's so important that real friendships are, are established in relationships. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because at the root of everything, if there's a strong friendship, there's a level of honesty that you're willing to give without the fear of that person being injurious to you. And I also think taking personality tests together mm. to learn each other, like the five love language, the five love language for couples, um, 16personality.com, you know, uh, and take those types of tests. And you could, t- you could see the way you think. Right. Because we all think different. Right. And we don't realize that. We all think different. We, we don't, don't realize that. Like, we try to make everybody think the same, and that's not... That's not healthy. Yeah, because, you know, and I listened to this thing um, that Will Smith said, that in relationships, you want your partner to be the best version of themselves. Yes. Because we want them to be the best version of what we want them to be versus actually um, letting them blossom into the person they need to be. And a lot of times that looks like sometimes we enable because we don't want them to be their best version. It's not even that we don't want them to be the best version. We think that our version is the best version for them. And you know what? We can't be in control of everything. Because when I first got married, my husband is a CPA. So he worked long hours, taxis, and, and then, he, you know, with different... 
promotions on his job. So he would work 10, 12 hours. And I would, and you know, people would say to me, girl, your husband work all them hours. Ain't no way I can do that. But it's not you. Right. It's me. Exactly. And it's okay because our house was running fine. All the bills was paid. No, no complaint. But it was him the first half of the half of our marriage. Now the second half of our marriage is me. I'm always going out. I'm doing the speaking. And I was thinking, if I had been negative when he was on doing his thing, right. it would have been hard for him to receive my time. Because everybody has moments and seasons in their life. Mm-hmm. Everybody has, you know, a different place and space in their life. And we just need to know how to respect it. So, like you said, vulnerability and being open to the process is so important. Right. And how important is it for Couples to have individual lives outside of themselves. Oh, I because think that's so important. <laughs> yes. Because, you know, I think people can function great together for a long time, but they don't realize the codependency that is created. And then we also have to, codependency can be fine for a long time, but like you said, that seven year change happens. And then after that, one person may be like, I actually like being by myself. Yeah, and it's okay. But because we're in codependency now, this person, this actually uh, triggers, if there's any traumas, any like love, it becomes levels of rejection. Oh, wait, this person doesn't want to be with me. And that's not true. It's just a person changes and they just might need space. Mm -hmm. You know, they just might. I had a couple one time and they came to me and they said, they was married for a long time, but they just, things change. And it was like, do you think it's wrong for us to get a two-family house? Now, I wouldn't say that in public, like, no, you know, because people was, no. So they bought a two-family house. She had the first floor. He had the second floor. When they want to be together, they be together. But they was at the place in their life they needed space. There's mm. nothing wrong with that. Wow. And so that's why as a therapist, you that's why I said we custom, we customize, we, we go to because that that was a need for them. Where other people, they would think that that was wrong and they didn't need it. Then they wouldn't. Right. So everybody is different. So yeah, I think being your having that space, and one person might like tennis and another person might like basketball and do your thing, meet with your guys, meet with the girls, and and then come back. Right. Um, if you had to give advice to um, any couples as far as um, relational. What would be your like advice for how to maintain a long-lasting relationship? Um, I would say, I would say, have personal goals and couple goals, mm. and I would say go through it. I, to me, I think you should handle marriage like a business, All right? And love it. Love is there, but I think you should handle like a business and have goals. Right. And go over them every every couple of months, every six months. Go over them, yeah. and so with um, and with that, you would know because 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 it's going to change. Right, your goals your goals might change in the next year or two. Right. And it might change every year. Right, but if you understand it, it's okay. Right, I think it's also good for you not to share your your couple situation with outside people. Mm. Because there'll be too much, too many opinions, and too much going, too much to say about your marriage. Right. And every marriage is different. It's not the same. Every marriage is different. And I hear some people say, "I want a marriage like my mother or father." No, no, you don't. You want a marriage like yourself. 
because your mother and father might stay home all the time and you both might travel. Right. So, yeah. Okay. And, and you know, I, this is the Unconventional Christians podcast, and I do have to implement. I just have two questions before we uh, wrap up. Sorry, let me lean into this. Um, <laughs> how important is it for us to keep God in the center of our relationships? I think if we hadn't had God in our relationship, I don't know if we would have still been married. Right. Because one of the things we did from day one is we pray together every day. Mm. Every day before we we leave the house, we pray together. And if we was traveling, we would call each other that morning before the day started and pray. So I think prayer sustained us. Because that faith just kept us covered and we had that. We know that God God will um, keep us. He will keep us safe and keep us with peace. Right. right. Yeah. How, in, in regards to mental health, um, how can, what are some um, resources that you can suggest to people who do not have um, access to mental health? Oh, good question. I would say go to NAMI.com, okay. dot com, and they have a whole lot of free support group listing there. Right. Um, psychologytoday.com. I would say just search and see if you can find a therapist there that you feel comfortable with. They have a lot of, just like I said, NAMI has a lot of free uh, uh, groups okay. and people that will, that have reduced fee. And then there's clinician.org, um, clinicianofcolor.org. Okay. There's all clinicians of color. Right. Um, those are resources. I have the grief group every fourth Monday. Well, we won't have it in July, but every fourth Monday, free. Every fourth. Every fourth so Monday last, at seven at seven o'clock. So that's this Monday coming up, right? Um, we had it last Monday. So the next go I need around, a special. I need a. Um, I need a private session. The next one will be um, <laughs> June the twenty. You know, in June. Okay. And so, um, and we just open it up to the public, free. And we start off, like, we talked about grief triggers last week. Right. Sometime I have guests there. I had um, uh, Dr. Ajeta Robinson, who wrote the book, uh, Grief is a Gift. Right. So I had her on there talking about how to navigate. So, you know, we just wanted to, to present that to the community because the community do need support. And everybody doesn't have money, and then we get that. Right. We come from a community where, unfortunately, unlike our counterparts, Death is an everyday thing. And we're not talking, we're talking about death from sickness, yes. death from violence, yes. death, uh, just sudden deaths in general. We have COVID deaths. We have health-related deaths. So yeah. um, now dealing with, I mean, how, how yeah, in this last question, how does our community begin to deal with grief? Um, by getting support, mm-hmm. by writing things down, journaling. Um, by coming to terms with your grief mm-hmm. and feeling the pain, don't let it slide, you right. know, feel it because it's going to come like an ocean or wave, mm-hmm. um, self-help books, get right. books, talk to someone, but definitely if you can find free groups, grief, grief groups and support group, go to, go to that, talk to a good friend, get it right. out of you. Cause it's not good for us to hold things in us That's because not. we implode. Right. Right. Okay. And I have our rapid questions for you. This is how we. This is how we. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is how we wrap every single. Oh, okay. Um, guests. Okay. So, Luther or Anita. Anita. Mm. Rose or tulips. Tulips. 
Catfish or whiting? You can't say both. Got to say one or the other. One or the other. Um, whiting. Summer or winter? Winter. Mm, I did not expect that from you. I definitely did not expect that. <laughs> I love that. the boots and the coat. And the, oh, yeah, because you're very and fashionable. And I forgot to mention that I, wore, I specifically wore these. I don't wear these every day. Because I saw that you have a plethora of I love frames. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, if we're in a don't laugh situation, what's making you laugh out loud? If we're in a don't laugh situation, what make me laugh out loud? Uh... Could be your husband. Is he funny? Who is someone that, or it could be somebody who could pull that out of you in a moment that's like, it's so solemn you wouldn't even expect it. I can't answer that question. (laughs) Okay, we'll skip that one. Top travel destination Hawaii. Mm. How many times have you been there? Once, and I like Alaska too. (laughs) You like Hawaii and Alaska? Alaska, Yeah. Dress or pantsuit? Pantsuit. Mm. Yoga or dance class? Dance class. Last book you read? The last book I read. Uh, I read so many. I also read uh, Healing is a choice. Healing is a choice. And skincare secret. All of LA. Oil of LA. <laughs> Okay, so in in this unconventional Christian podcast, one thing we always do is we always pray out, pray our way out. But I, I, I will ask you before we do, this is our bonus question. What makes you an unconventional Christian? What makes me an unconventional Christian is because I think outside the box. Mm-hmm. I'm able to share any kind of conversation with anyone. Mm-hmm. And I'm non-judgmental, and I'm proud of that. Mm. Fire. Thank you. So, um... You are a person of faith, and I would love for you to pray aside. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time, this moment, and this space. God, I pray for Ladoon and his organization. And God, I pray that the people that's listening, that you will allow healing to take place in their body, in their mind, and their spirit. God, we thank you for this time and this moment, and we pray that you would continue to bless, heal, deliver, and move in our lives. Keep us in the center of your hand. Allow us to walk with you, and let us and let, and we want you to let us know that you are closer than the breath we breathe. We thank you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Hardy. We appreciate you having you on the Unconventional Christian Podcast, and we look forward to talking to you again on here. Thank you. Thank you very much.